Welcome to Punk Rock Personal Development, a podcast about getting your shit together and creating a life you love. I'm your host, Sarah Stars, and every week I speak to inspiring badasses about the nitty gritty of how they live with passion and purpose. My guests and I might embrace a bit of woo-woo every now and again, but we also get really honest about what it takes to grapple with your demons, transform your life, truly accept yourself, and strike out in the direction of your dreams. Because personal development only works if you do. That's what's so punk rock about it. Hello and welcome to Punk Rock Personal Development episode 36. You can access all the show notes for this episode at Sarah Stars, that's S-T-A-R-R-S, sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 36. Today's episode is with Kira Sabine. This one is for all the single ladies, although I promise this woman is amazing and there's going to be something in this episode for everyone. I know that I learned a lot for sure. Kira is a life coach for singles and is the troop leader over at the League for Adventurous Singles. We sat down and had a chat about why you need to stop looking for the one, learning about your own needs in a romantic relationship, how your history with love from even before you started dating is impacting your relationships, how to get out of your comfort zone for love, and how scavenger hunts, yes, scavenger hunts, can help you with dating and rejection. It's a fascinating conversation, and Kira's positivity is absolutely infectious. I know you're going to fall in love with her. Hey, Kira, how are you today? Great, Sarah. So excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you, and I'd love it if you could start by sharing a bit of your story. Who are you, and what do you do? Who am I? Sarah Stars, who am I? I am a life coach for singles. Um, I am the troop leader of love of the League of Adventurous Singles. I am a unicorn wrangler because that exists. Because now, did you know that they found that unicorns were real? I saw that. They're not quite as um, sparkly and majestic as we might have wanted to think, though. Well, I believe that they did evolve into that. We just haven't found um, those remains yet. Yeah, they're that's, in the that's enchanted what I think. forest somewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I'm a storyteller. I'm a travel journalist. I'm so many things, but uh, day by day, I basically change people's lives and the way they see relationships. I love that. And I know there must be a story there. So can you walk us through your journey from being in unhealthy relationships to where you are today doing this work? Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like I am my ideal client. (laughs) Right? Because... um, I have made all of the mistakes. I have, you know, made horrible, horrible decisions. I have allowed behavior that was super, you know, not okay. I mean, I have done all of the things. And, you know, my own evolution has been a great lesson for my people. So I I would say my, my 20s were filled with tolerance of bullshit. Let's just call it that way, mm-hmm. where I would... Um, I I would I would uh, I, I to me and this is why I like you know British boys Sarah so you might uh, also understand this I love witty banter so I would love get slightly drunk wonderful witty banter making out never telling them that I liked them or wanted to do nothing <laughs> and just hope that they figured it out and would call me um, and that P.S. that doesn't work so that was my twenties and my thirties I went into some kind of um, hermit mode where I didn't date barely at all. 
Um, and when I did, it was it was kind of destructive. And so somewhere along my 30, somewhere in my 30s, I was like, this is this is not right. And I remember getting a huge fight with my dad um, and, and we were talking about marriage. He goes, well, you'll never get married. And I lost my shit on him and my dad and I don't fight. And I lost my shit. And I said, how dare you say that? You know, da, da, da. I wasn't even a person who was a huge proponent of marriage. But having him say that, he said, well, Kira, you've never prioritized it. You've prioritized traveling the world. You've prioritized starting your business. You prioritized all of these things, but you never made finding a good relationship a priority. Mm. Bitch smack from winston Saban, right there. <laughs> right? Yeah. Bitch smacked into reality. And at that moment on, I, I, you know, and coaching school also was a big wake-up call for me. I'm, I'm guessing probably something similar to you of just – um, realizing how many ways I'm holding myself back. And so I started working on it and I started, um, you know, learning and then sharing. And then, you know, so many of my blog posts are full of stories that people can relate to of, you know, how many times um, I wanted something and never spoke up for it. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times um, I would meet somebody that I cared about, but would not communicate what I needed and, and just, you know, sat there until it disintegrated or sat there resenting um, until I just basically practiced. I practiced and practiced. And, you know, now, I mean, every time I talk about it, I cry because I'm so happy in my relationship. It's really um, it's really a little pathetic, but it's it's beautiful because every day we create something together. You know, I didn't find it. It didn't. You know, I'm the first to say that, like, the first night we met, we made out by a dumpster. Yeah, that's totally right. We totally drunkenly made out by, you know, so there was nothing, you know, like soulmatey. There was no like, oh, my God, he's the one I was like, oh, he's cute. And he's a pretty good kisser. So that works. Um, But you know, what we created afterwards has developed into this beautiful thing, because I don't believe that we find love. I don't believe it's dropped into our laps. I don't feel that some people are lucky and other people aren't. I believe that um, love is natural and, and easy, but relationships, you know, there's a skill set that we need to have and most of us don't have it. That's what I do. I love that. So you said that you were practicing and what did that look like for you? Like, were you practicing going on more dates or doing some kind of internal work? What did it mean to kind of practice to get ready to be in a relationship? Absolutely. Well, I practiced um, in lots of different ways. I practiced by speaking up for myself. You know what I mean? Like, I've always had kind of an edgy personality. Um, but I was a secret people pleaser. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I would, I would act like, oh man, I don't care what people think. I don't, you know, but secretly I absolutely did and would bend over backwards when I got into new relationships because I was so excited and I just wanted them to like me. Um, so I practiced with, first of all, like my friends and family, and then with my dates to say, Hey, this is okay. And this isn't okay. You know, this is what feels good for me. And this isn't what, this is what not feels good for me. What doesn't feel good for me. Sorry. Um, and just practice that in little ways and, and communicated. And it was amazing when I allowed somebody to kind of step up to, you know, to be great for me that they did. Yeah. Oh, I can relate to that so much. I was also kind of a closet people pleaser because I was always doing my own rebellious thing, but also constantly avoiding conflict and trying to, you know, walk on eggshells and bend over backwards to make sure I wasn't upsetting anyone, even in the process of doing all these things that looked edgy and rebellious. 
Right. Absolutely. I mean, I can put like six swear words into a sentence and it makes sense. But I couldn't but I couldn't um just say to somebody like, No, it doesn't feel good when you um when I don't hear from you for days. Yeah. And I start to and I start to go to the crazy place in my head and think you're not interested. And then, then the weird part is when they do I you know, when they do get a hold of me, then the the shift of, of like balance of power and stuff like that is all off. And then I'm just like, Oh my God, I wanna keep that, I wanna keep that. So then I'm not taking care of myself in the process. Mm, I know there's so much stigma out there of like not wanting to seem needy and clingy and it's it it's ended up with all these rules, right? About like not being able to text first and not being able to say you wanna see someone and it's all such bullshit. It's we're such grown bullshit. ups. No, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't feel that there are rules in dating. There are no rules in dating. There is knowing yourself and what you need and communicating it. Absolutely. And I think we all, for the most part, and if you don't, then you need to maybe do some, some more work with yourself. But I think we all know when we're going to that clingy place and attaching our worth to another person and, and going down that road and speaking up for your wants and needs is not clingy. Well, not only is it not clingy, it is. It is a basic for a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So not only is it not needy or clingy to have the confidence to go, hey, I need this or I need that because we're going to have an amazing relationship because of it. It is the basic for you to have a healthy relationship. If if people are not willing to do that, it will end at some point. It will. Mm-hmm. Somebody, you will never create a deeper connection. You will never create a deeper intimacy. And at some point, somebody will walk away, somebody will cheat. And I mean, that's the absolute truth, because if you are not willing that you're not fully showing up, right, you're not actually being available in the relationship. If you are a person, you know, for the single ladies out there, if you're like, oh, why do I keep getting all these unavailable guys? Check yourself. Check yourself, because my guess is you're not really showing up. You're not actually telling them this is what feels good for me and this is what doesn't, you know. And can I tell, share a story about like what that looks like, Sarah? Is that of cool? Of course, yeah. So I, so I have the story on my blog and it, it was like a big moment for me that when I started dating Danny, who is um, my awesome boyfriend, partner in crime, uh, just the incredible guy that, that I date and live with, um, the first week or two were like a little sketchy, like I said, we made up by a dumpster, um, you know, and I was kind of hearing from him, kind of not. And um, but I just saw something in him. I'm like, this is a kind, good man. And there's something here that I want to explore. So within the first couple of weeks, you know, I was nervous as hell, but I just like sat down. I was like, you know. And I, I have like a tough conversation template that, that I followed kind of. But like I said, you know, can I can I bring something up? And he's like, yeah. And I and I said, here's the deal. When I don't hear from you for days on end, my mind goes to this crazy place. It's not good. It's my stuff. So if there was any way that you would text me once a day, just so I know you're in here, we are both going to benefit from that. I think that's such such an important thing to do because I think so often, you know, I hear some of my girlfriends saying, you know, like that they don't want to push this person away by seeming too quote unquote needy or whatever it is that they're feeling. But it's like, if you aren't able to, you know, if that kind of assertion of your needs makes the other person walk away, you were never going to get the relationship that you wanted out of it anyways. And so it's, it's good to know that up front, you know, and, and right away. And he looked at me and goes, Oh yeah, sure. You know, so all of these weird, like, Am I being crazy or near, whatever? It was me knowing that that's a problem for me. And it's not something that I easily can get over. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then communicating it. That's like what I call my owner's manual. It's like part of my owner's manual. Is like it's knowing who I really am and what I need to feel good and thrive. So, um, yeah. And he was like, absolutely no problem. And every day since, you know, and now we live together, so it's a little different. But um, he would make sure that he reached out to me to know that he was in this, to know that he cared, to know, you know, and it grew from there. And I honestly think that if I wouldn't have spoken up and if it would have kind of kept going in this very, like, you know, wishy-washy way, like, I don't know if we'd be here. Mm-hmm. So I love what you said about the tough conversation template. Will you walk us through what that looks like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So the tough conversation template um, is a, a freebie on my site. And it's just basically how to like a process to how to have a tough conversation with anybody, not only with a guy, but with a family member, with a coworker, whatever. And the idea is to be able to, um, you know, speak and be heard. Like that's mm-hmm. always the point, right? Because I think we, we get so worried about, you know, um, you know, talking and being needing or, or whatever. And, and a lot of times it turns to conflict or a lot of times somebody gets defensive. And so the first thing you do in a conversation, uh, the tough conversation template is you ask for their time. You say, is there any way that I can talk for the next two minutes and, you know, and, and you don't speak, you just hear me. So that's, that's the first thing because you're setting it up to be heard. Um, and next, you come from a place of not a question, but a statement. So this is great for the define the relationship. Um, you say, you know, I just want to let you know that I'm looking for a relationship. I'm going to use this as an example. Um, I, I have no idea if that's what you're looking for, but I think it's just really important for me to put that out there. And if that's not what you're interested, that's okay. So that really changes the conversation of, Instead of, do you like me, you know, or, you know, do you want this to go somewhere or where are this going, which is put somebody in the corner. It allows you to make a statement in power, you know, and it yeah. also then and then I say, you know, and you don't have to answer right now. Why don't you think about it for 24 hours or so and get back to me? And that allows them because we all communicate differently. It allows them to process it if they're kind of thrown off. It allows them to, you know, take it and respond instead of react um, and it just it just allows for both people to stand in integrity. Yeah. And it seems like a really kind way to interact with the other person while still being really empowered in your own position and your own needs. Well, and let's be honest, you know, a big thing that I put talk about on my on my site is, you know, finding love out of your comfort zone, because if you are truly dating and truly creating a relationship that's going somewhere, it's going to be it's hard. You know, it's not always going to feel comfortable. You are going to at some point have to bring up something that doesn't feel good to you. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to point it out and, you know, you can either fight about it or um, kind of bring it up and then they start pointing out what they don't like about you or what, what, or you can use something like this. And there's many, you know, and there's a couple of different steps about it, you know, it, depending on what it is. Um, also, you know, taking your credit, like when I, when I was uh, telling uh, Danny, like, this is my stuff. Like, I need to hear from you because this is something that is hard for me. You know, taking credit where your part is. Uh, there's there's some different steps to it, but it's just a way for people to really be heard and for changes to be made because that's the point. I'll, uh, I'll post a link to that in the show notes so that people can go grab the freebie if they want to maybe walk through that process for handling their difficult conversations. And I'd love to hear more about this idea of creating your own owner's manual and you know 
do you have a process that you share with people with for that or is it something that yeah, yeah. You can tell us more about yeah, absolutely. It's a 10-step process. So I'm eight years in. Like, I'm not – this isn't something I decided to do two weeks ago. Um, I have been talking about coaching, researching. I'm, like, fascinated, like, about love and dating and relationships and, and how it's viewed in our society and how we kind of personally view it or how women view it um, and where that's going because the relationships we want in 2016 never existed before this, Sarah. Don't even get me started on history of relationships. But <laughs> – but they never existed before this. And now we just want these relationships to fall in our lap. And that doesn't exist. So I created the owner's manual in that idea of if we want these partners in crime, if we want these kind of more equal partnerships, if they never existed, we got to be on top of our game. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to fully know who we are and what we need. So exactly like just the story I said, you know, I have a problem with people dropping off. I have a, I have a problem with, you know, from my childhood of some abandonment. So um, in in that process, I know this about myself and I know that I react or get triggered in those moments. That's part of my owner's manual. Um, So the owner's manual is a 10 step process. It's everything from uh, starting with, you know, getting over your past uh, relationships. Uh, My favorite, I have like two really favorite weeks, how you learn to love. Mm -hmm. So we we dig into what was acceptable what, what did love and relationships look like when you were growing up? What was acceptable and what was unacceptable? Because how you're living and how you're having relationships was learned there. And a lot of times people just go, oh, my God, that person's just not the right match for me. And it's just really that you both learned different things. Could you give us some more examples about what that kind yeah. of looks like? Absolutely. So let's say that you are a person who had a family who was not touchy-feely, right? They did not... Um, they're not big huggers. They're not big. Um, they just did not reach out in a physical way. Now, you start dating somebody who does. That's going to feel super uncomfortable. And it may be to the point of where you're like, I don't like this. This is not a good match for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, the only thing, only difference here and and where you want to meet in the middle on it is just that they, you know, they maybe grew up in a house where it was, where every day somebody gave somebody a hug or everybody you know, was it was really just a, a, a physical, intimate connection in their family. So the only difference there is, is you learned differently. And it's our job to kind of learn or to know this is how I learned and this is working for me and this maybe isn't working for me. Another example of that, if I can, is, is, is that I see come up a lot is where families who, who said maybe I love you all of the time versus families who didn't. Hmm. So if you are um, somebody whose family who, you know, I love you came out like three times in your childhood, those three words are going to mean everything to you in a relationship. Now, let's say you're dating somebody who, like myself, I say I love you to the wall. I mean, (laughs) I am that person. I have got all the love in the world to give. To me, those words, um, you know, don't have a ton of weight um, or mean something huge in a relationship. I love lots of people and lots of things. So, you know, it's it's important for me to realize that not everybody uh, feels that way and to kind of understand where they're coming from. So it's 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 set at a time that feels good for everybody. But those are the little kind of ways where we're different and where we learn um, and we've been taught something's acceptable or something's unacceptable. And that doesn't mean you can't have a relationship with somebody who's taught something different. 
So do you have any advice for anybody who is in a relationship or maybe just starting to date someone where they are navigating some of those big differences and what they learned about love early on? Sure. The love languages is a, is a great, quick, easy, free test. You know, um, within a month to like four to six weeks, I was like sitting there at his kitchen table reading questions to my boyfriend. I'm like, so which do you like more, a hug <laughs> or a gift? You know what I mean? It's it's a it's a 30 second test. And, um, you know, I don't necessarily re- recommend tons and tons of books in my process, but I think it's a really smart one to understand how the person you're with likes to be loved. I absolutely agree. I found that one so useful. And it's interesting, like, because you can just do the test online. Like, you don't have to read the whole book if you don't want to. But you start to notice, like, you can identify even, like, people in your family's love language and, and your friends' love languages. Sometimes without even doing the test, some people are quite obvious if they're if they're constantly expressing their love through gifts or through wanting to spend a lot of time together. It's It's nice to know that you can then speak their love language to them and communicate what your love language is so they know what you need in the relationship. Absolutely. I find, you know, I'm not a big soulmate person or I believe that we create our soulmates. I'm not a big the one person. I find that there's lots of people we can create relationships with as long as we have the skill set to practice and communicate and let them, you know, and set up boundaries. So let's talk more about that. I mean, I know you're not a fan of looking for a quote unquote the one and I'm not either because I think relationships are a lot more complicated than that. So, yeah, tell me more about that. What does it mean to create a soulmate or co-create a soulmate, maybe? Well, because I just think that there are lots of people that if we are able to, um, you know, like I said, so if we know ourselves, if we're able to share who we are and communicate that with confidence and then kind of and then the boundaries to me, boundaries are when you're saying, hey, that doesn't feel okay to me. You know, what you said there or what you did there doesn't feel okay to me. Can you do this instead? You know, and that's the that's another piece is that a lot of times we we correct somebody, which is a great thing, and we don't tell them to what to do instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, we may say like, "I need to hear from you more," but if you want to say, "I need to hear from you more," say exactly what you want because hear from you more might be every three days to them, and might be every day to you. You know what I mean? So it's really important for us to, in the process of getting to know someone. Uh, share exactly what we like and and people are going to either like create with you or drop off like that's the process you know I mean once you are standing in who you are and what you need you're not going to go on dates anymore and go you know I'll be on the fifth and sixth date and wondering you know if this is going to work or not you're going to have a general idea if you guys can work together and the thing is, is like people are like, oh, my God, that's so weird. Like have, telling somebody what I need right in the beginning. But that's what you're going to be doing the whole relationship. That is what a relationship is. Right. Communicating, working on problems and solving them. Absolutely. Sarah, you're in a relationship. That's like what I am doing on a daily basis. In my life. <laughs> well, and I think that when you're in when you are acting in that way or um, acting from that place, you realize really quickly that it's not personal if people drop out it's their willingness right it's their willingness based on where they are in their life right now so if you're genuinely looking for a relationship those people that drop out you don't need to take it personally because they just aren't willing to co-create with you 
Absolutely. And, you know, and it's and it's where they are in their life. It may be the things of like where what they find find acceptable and what they what they don't find acceptable and what they learn to love. You know exactly what I was talking about. I mean, rejection most of the time isn't personal and we take it so personally. Right. Mm -hmm. But but like what you just said and, and what I say to people all the time, which is when something doesn't work, it just means you learn to love differently. So what you're doing doesn't feel comfortable to them. And if you don't know how to communicate that, both people go, okay, this isn't going to work. Or one person realized it before the other one. And then there's just some people who aren't in a place to create a relationship yet. They don't have the skill set yet. They, you know, when, when somebody ghosting is a huge conversation in the dating world, right? You know, I, I get very angry about it. You don't even want me to start ranting. I swear a lot. And then um, it goes downhill, but I just think it's super disrespectful. And it's just, you're a grown up. I just think that's absolutely absurd in the age of text messages that you can't give that one iota of respect to just say, I'm out. And right. And I wrote an article about, you know, uh, you know, what what texting or what ghosting is really about. And the point is, is that if, if you've went on a few dates with somebody, you thought there was interest, you thought there was potential there. And then that person ghosts, that says nothing about you. And what that says about them is I'm just not in a place to be in a relationship because I can't communicate that something doesn't feel good here. Yeah. Yeah, I think for anyone who does feel uncomfortable kind of talking with people, talking early on about what they need in that relationship, I really love the expression that we teach people how to treat us. And so often I think when I used to get into unhealthy relationships, it was because I allowed behavior that didn't make me feel good. Instead of teaching them how I wanted to be treated and seeing whether they opened up to that or not, I just kind of let things slide because I was being a people pleaser because I didn't want to rock the boat because I thought that, you know, I wanted to be someone with someone that badly. But if you really want to be in a healthy relationship, that's not going to that's not going to create one for you. No. And in fact, like I said, you know, I don't mean to be all doomsday about this, but if we're not willing to show up in our relationship, not only, you know, not only is that not needy, but what's needy or or, you know, I'm going to use in the word quotes crazy is the fact of just thinking that people are going to figure you out, mm-hmm. you know, and then you get mad when they don't. Well, you exactly. Get and that's not fair. No, and, and none of and that is your own self-sabotage, right? Like when, you know, it's so amazing to me that uh, so I'm, I'm teaching an owner's manual class right now and, and they're so fun. I love teaching them. And one of the women brought up, she said, I don't know. I feel like asking for what I need sounds crazy. And <laughs> and then I said, you know, what's crazy. What's crazy is not asking for it and thinking that somebody's going to figure it out, you know, that somebody can read your mind or getting resentful and then angry when they don't. Like, yeah. that's actually crazy. And and she talked to her guy friend and she's like, okay, points for you, Kira. You know, I talked to my guy friend about, you know, she was starting to kind of see somebody and said, you know, this guy is, is texting a lot. I don't know what to do. You know, my instant idea is just to walk. And I said, why don't you tell him what feels good to you? And she talked it up with one of her guy friends and he's like, we don't know what to do. Some <laughs> yeah. girls, right? Some girls want that much, you know, are expecting that much kind of attention or that much, um, you know, that much communication. And then some girls don't want it. We don't know unless you tell us. And she was just like, oh, I mean, I will be honest. I think it's really hard to be a guy out there dating nowadays because they don't really have anybody to talk to about it. The rules have all changed, whatever rules there were. And, you know, it's our job to kind of say this is okay and this isn't okay, so they know. Yeah, and I think if you express that, um, you know, like, I don't want you to text me quite as much or like, or if you could even say like, 
if you're really specific about when and how much you want to be communicated with, the other person can then explain why their behavior is that way, why they maybe need a little bit more communication or why they tend to be quite communicative. And you can at least, you, you get to that deeper place of understanding because you've expressed those things on both sides. Right. And that's how you're, crema- you're creating soulmates yeah. right there by, by like having those conversations from the beginning that becomes a staple of your relationship, right? Like it becomes like what you know. Like my boyfriend and I don't fight. You know, we just come together and have a conversation about what's going on. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because my husband and I don't fight and lots of people are like, well, you have to fight or you're hiding stuff. And like, we're not. We just, you know, like sometimes we have like quite emotional conversations about things, but they're never like yelling or berating each other, which is not how we communicate. Right, because, you know, in that moment of me asking him, to communicate with me more, you know, not only was that asking for what I needed, but it also set up when we need something in a relationship, we communicate it. Yeah. If there's a problem, we talk about it and we fix it. You know, you're, I, we are like practicing from the beginning and now it feels easy. You know, now it, it's, it's, it can be tougher in the beginning, but I would rather do the tougher work up front and find out if that person's a great match for me than get all like starry eyed and chemistry. And then like two years into the relationship or the marriage, you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> yeah. I don't like this person or I have no idea how to communicate or, you know, they can't communicate at all. And now I feel lonely and unheard. Like, you know, people who are single think that being lonely, let me tell you, being in a terrible relationship is twice as bad. Hmm. And I think anyone who thinks that it's crazy to try and express their needs, like, I mean, the alternative that I see lots of people deal with is that you end up playing these weird guessing games and kind of manipulative games and the, all the dating rules come into it. And to me, that's just way more crazy. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's exhausting. Yeah. You know, my goal and what I tell, you know, my clients and the people in the owner's manual class, the goal here is to wake up every day feeling loved. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like in this idea, you know, in 2016, we don't have to have relationships anymore. I mean, truthfully, as women, like this is new for us. 50, 60, 70 years ago, that wasn't true. If you were a woman in society, you basically had to be married or you kind of lived with your parents till they died. Like there wasn't a lot of options for us. So we now have all of these options. So you have to really want that relationship. And you need to be willing to work for it. Yeah. So there's a lot of advice out there saying that you can't love anyone else until you love yourself. And it's definitely something I've espoused before. And now I'm kind of coming to see it as problematic in a few ways. Although, I, you know, I appreciate the sentiment that people are trying to get across. But I'm curious, do you think we need to have a certain level of self-worth or self-esteem before we enter into a relationship if we're going to make it work? Yes and no, which is so not an answer. <laughs> Uh, And what I mean by that is I think that sometimes we get really caught up in like I need to be in this perfect space to even like be in a relationship. And I think that's really, really untrue. I think um, and I think it's impossible. I think we're constantly evolving. We're constantly learning. We're constantly healing childhood wounds. We're, you know, and if you are willing to know yourself and know how to ask for things that's healing in some level, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be perfect. But what you can't do is walk into a relationship not liking yourself, you know, not loving yourself, not having self-worth. So everything triggers you. You know what I mean? Like, and so you're like, what do you mean by that? What, I don't, why'd you say that? You know, like every, you know, once a day or every couple of days, you're on this roller coaster of do they like me? 
or why are they talking to that person? Or, you know, it's it's basically you're sabotaging yourself. But you don't have to be perfect or ready. But what you do need to do is communicate. Exactly all the things that, you know, we're talking about here is you have to know yourself, you have to communicate, and you have to work through with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because none of us are going to be these perfect, enlightened beings or else we'd we'd probably never get into relationships you know, or life would be super boring, right? I mean, (laughs) in my, my, everybody has their own thoughts about, you know, what we're doing here. And it's, for me, it's to learn. It's to, and I think that relationships are the next step in learning because, oh man, you know, so many people see the relationship as a destination. Let me tell you, that is just a different beginning of a different journey. And I have learned so much about myself in this relationship, not all of it attractive on any level, you know, yeah. because if you're fully in a relationship, if you're showing up, if you're coming, all of the things, you start seeing kind of yourself through their eyes, which in some ways is really beautiful. And then some ways can be like, oh, oh my God, I do. Um, you know, and, and that's that's its own education level or own, you know, level of learning. Yeah, I always thought that that expression, relationships are the greatest spiritual teachers, kind of only applied to unhealthy relationships, so that we're learning more (laughs) about, like, you know, what we shouldn't tolerate, and, you know, what we needed in a relationship, and then I got into a healthy relationship, and was like, oh, fuck, no, this is almost even, even more brutal type of learning. (laughs) Shit got real. But you know what, like, we, I can speak for my boyfriend and I, like, we're better people because of each other. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, to me, that's that's another goal. Like I, you know, I help he helps point out and and support, you know, me in my changes and and vice versa. So what advice would you give to someone who feels like there's a romantic relationship sized hole in their life but wants to learn how to be happy being single with and where they're at right now? I mean, always come back to you. It's so interesting to me. That we keep having conversations about men. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And when um, and I think this is very true of when you are single is that, you know, you're going out with friends and you're talking about why did he do this or this guy did that or da 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 da. Like to me, who the fuck cares? What do you want? What are you looking for? What feels okay to you? Like, I want to stop having conversations about why guys do things and have conversations about what you're allowing and how you're working on you. Because the first thing you can always do is 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 start to create some self-awareness and understand like your own understand what's in your owner's manual. So as you start meeting great people, you can make you can create something better. Um because and, and Sarah, I think you because we keep talking about other people, but we can only control one person in the relationship ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the fact that, you know, if you're a person who is is has these blinders on of how can I get to a new situation to meet people? How should I go? You know, how, how many more profiles should I read online? How many more dates do I go on? How do I go to any more meetups? Any you're missing the point. You're missing the point because I can tell you this. If you've been single for a while and it's not going well, then you have to start looking inward. Mm-hmm. And so for to- anyone who's kind of just starting out on this journey and maybe feels a bit lost in that respect, what are some three maybe small ways that they could start creating their owner's manual or start doing that inner work that you'd recommend? Well, of course, I recommend my class <laughs> I <don't have> to <laughs> like sell, sell myself here, but yeah, and and just and, and just doing some of the inner work. I mean, doing um, I think Harville Hendricks has some like solid books out there 
for people to start looking at, you know, your past relationships and what, what you kind of took from your parents. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one thing of just kind of what are you putting out there? You know, what, have conversations with your friends of when I am out and about, am I, you know, am I approachable? Am I happy? Do I seem like somebody that people want to uh, talk to? Because you might be surprised. Our friends know a lot and our friends don't tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's so many things that ways of you to kind of explore, like, you know, as I'm moving through this world, you know, what story am I telling? Am I like an adventurer who's excited about life and I have plans and goals and dreams and I'm working on myself or am I a victim and I keep talking about my past relationships or talking about my, you know, or talking about how bad work is, you know, we can always tell a different story. Um, and we have to look at what that story is inside our head and, and, and how we're telling it because, you know, people, uh, that's exhausting. Nobody wants to be around a Debbie Downer and I'm not, and if you are a Debbie Downer, we need to figure out what's going on and how to, how to feel better about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of assumptions are you making within that story. Another thing that you can do is look at if you're a self-fulfilling prophecy is what I call it. I hear a lot of women who are super hard on guys, you know, maybe they've had some relationships, you know, if you keep, if you think nobody's out there, guess what? There's no one out there. If you think all the good ones are married and gay, guess what? All the good ones are married and gay. Or if you are like, I know I'm out there. I know I'm a good person. So I bet there's some great ones out there too. You know, that's moving in the right direction. Like check your mindset. Because that is a huge thing that that I think that women are like, oh, I like myself, but all guys suck. And I'm like, mm, really, really, really? Because I know, you know, and when people are like, I can't date my city. I met my boyfriend in my hometown in a town of 5,000 people, okay? <laughs> 5,000 people. We went bowling. I mean, it's like crazy. You know, the thing is, is that you can meet anybody anywhere and – as soon as people say, where do I meet people? I'm like, you're asking the wrong question. The question you should be asking is, what am I putting out there? You know, what do I believe about guys in our world? And start smiling and saying hello everywhere you go. Because there's single people everywhere. But if you're not talking to them, then what's the point? They're not only online. Like, you know, I have a I have a huge, um, I'm like one of the few life, co- or life coaches that is not a huge fan of online date or online dating because I just think there's a lot of fallacy on there. And you have to be careful. So if you're online dating and it's going well, great. But if you're constantly getting frustrated, if you're constantly feeling like it's not working, get offline. Mm-hmm. 40 to 50% of people still meet through friends. Grow your grow your social circle. That's such good advice. And I think if you, like you said, if you're struggling to identify what those assumptions you're making about men are, because I think they do get a pretty hard hard knock a lot of the time but if you don't if you can't really figure out what those assumptions you're making are and you ask your friends I'm sure they'll have heard you say it a million times and they'll be able to feed it back to you it's amazing I sometimes when I'm working one-on-one with people uh through the owner's manual I ask them to have their friends like ask them five questions and they can choose to see those answers or have them sent directly to me and your friends usually know (laughs) your friends usually are like yeah when she goes out you know she doesn't make eye contact she doesn't talk to anybody you know when or if they do approach her she's really sarcastic to them you know um and 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 that's just your wall that's just stuff that you you know those are places where you need to work a little bit because as we know um you know sarah uh love kind of lies in the vulnerability 
So you've got me really intrigued when you said in this kind of pre-interview chat that we had that scavenger hunts can help people cope with rejection and dating. Can you please explain what you mean by that? <laughs> Absolutely. It's one of my favorite parts of my business. So let, let me take you on a little journey to the 90s, if you remember the 90s. Um, I worked on cruise ships and we had an overnight in Acapulco, which on a cruise ship, when you work on a cruise ships, you very rarely have an overnight night. So it was exciting for crew because we actually got got to get off the ship and walk around and, you know, go to places versus, you know, being on working every night. So my friend Derek and I decided to um, create a checklist that night of all the things we wanted to accomplish before dawn. And so we put like a couple hundred bucks in our pocket. We ended up spending like 30 because it was Mexico in the 90s. <laughs> and, uh, and proceeded to go through this checklist, which had everything from, you know, do five tequila shooters because, you know, I was in my 20s and I could, um, you know, eat a food we never had before, make three people smile, over tip somebody, um, learn a swear word in Spanish, like all of these fun things. We at one point paid a cab driver to take us to the most beautiful spot in Acapulco, like what he thought. And it was one of the best nights of my life. And from that moment on, I have been doing checklists and then with my clients scavenger hunts to just kind of do things to get them out of their comfort zone, um, to push them to meet new people and try new things. And I find that if we are able to feel uncomfortable in those safe ways of doing a scavenger hunt for fun, it's a lot easier to be uncomfortable in a relationship. If you are used to that feeling, if you are become okay with that feeling of this feels a little weird, but I'm, I'm going to make it through, then you can do that in a relationship too. I love that because I know you're a big advocate of getting out of your comfort zone for love. So, so is that kind of what you mean is getting into that place where you're uncomfortable but okay with it? Yes, absolutely. Because once again, if you are really doing a relationship, if you're super showing up, if you're communicating what you need, it's going to be uncomfortable. If you are, if you like that person, if you're invested in how they feel about you, it's scary. It's fucking scary as shit. So, I mean, the more you can practice feeling uncomfortable, but then knowing that it's going to be okay, the better it's going to be for you when you have to have that tough conversation, the better it's going to be for you when something comes up that doesn't feel good. You know, because you're already used to that feeling, let alone being rejected or turned down for a scavenger hunt. You can laugh that off, you know, like if somebody says, no, I don't actually know what um, like I make. Oh, my gosh, I make my girls do such crazy things. (laughs) But, you know, so but if you're used to being kind of rejected in small ways, it doesn't feel so big that when it does happen. Mm -hmm. We're kind of practicing because I feel like. Everybody thinks that relationships just fall into place. And I believe that there's a skill set there, you know, communication, the boundaries, everything else. And every time that we can practice rejection, being uncomfortable, asking for what we need, because you have to do that in the scavenger hunts too. walk up to strangers and say, you know, um, do you know a poem that you can read for me for my scavenger hunt? And let me tell you virtually and this is like a, this is like a secret to the world right here. Listen up rarely do people turn you down for some reason scavenger hunt is like the words of awesomeness to everybody <laughs> you're like you're doing what a scav okay i'll do a dance off with you i'll do it you know um an arm wrestling contest with you i'll do you know it's amazing it's amazing what the word scavenger hunts can do because everybody i think has this little playful side that they want to bring out and you know i have had women who um started doing some of my scavenger hunts and joining the league who had never flown on a plane, have now traveled the world. You know, I had I had a, a lady who in the middle of New York 
um, stand outside a Target with a free hug sign, scared to death, scared to fucking death. And she said there was a line. There was a line. And people saying, I really needed this today. I love that. We make assumptions about people and this world around us. But if we can't trust the world around us, it's really hard to trust ourselves and it's hard to trust people to date. So that's why I do scavenger hunts. And they are, you know, just last week um, I had a meetup for the women. I, I live in Wisconsin. And, and so there's about five or six women who here are in Madison who are in my league. And one of the women brought flowers with her um, to hand out to strangers. So at the end, we all handed out flowers to strangers. And one of the women was brand new. And she's like, uh, uh, I don't want to do this. And then at the end, she was like, that was really cool. Because when you see people go, oh, what's this for? Oh my gosh, that's so lovely. Thank you. You know, it feels good. Oh, there's so much goodness in there. I, I love that you said that, you know, being in a relationship and dating takes a skill set because I think that's a really empowered way to recognize that, you know, it's not the lucky people or these naturally gifted people who end up in these long term good relationships. These are skills that we can learn that you can choose to start cultivating. I also Absolutely. like, you know, in my own experience, I've learned time and time again that just allowing yourself to be vulnerable and ask for things, even though I wasn't doing a scavenger hunt, people are so <laughs> likely to say yes, but it's just take, you know, mustering up that little bit of courage, willing, like allowing yourself to be vulnerable and asking. Exactly. And, and scavenger hunts help you practice that, you I know, it. so it's like method to my madness. But, you know, that's Sarah, if I could have women or anyone listening to this um, who are are single, walk away with one thing, understand that love comes easy, but relationships are a skill set. And you can teach yourself that skill set. So um, pulling things back into a slightly different direction, I'd love if you could give us a peek at a day in your life and whether there are any rituals and routines that anchor your day. Oh my God, Sarah. Oh, that's funny. Uh, you know, cause being, cause being an entrepreneur, my, like, I feel like every day is different. And, um, you know, I am a lover of great coffee. I have four different coffee makers. Um, Amazing. So that my husband so that would exists. like hearing that. He has a weird number of coffee makers as well. Yeah. I mean, and I can't, and it's, and I have like coffee maker envy all the time <laughs> where I'll go somewhere and I'll be like, Oh, is that the new coffee, like, siphon? Oh, my God, don't we need this? And my boyfriend's like, no, we don't need this. <laughs> you know, I'm like, are you sure? He's like, where would we even put that? I'm like, I don't know. But don't we need this? <laughs> I'm always looking for the, you know, the best cup of coffee out there because, man, I just love, I, I love a great cup of coffee. I'm an appreciator of great cups of coffee, um, as well as cheese because I live in Wisconsin. So coffee and cheese. Coffee and cheese are the rituals that anchor your day. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I am so lucky. My, you know, my day is full of, I don't know how I ever lived a life before this um, at other jobs because my life is filled with incredible women um, pushing themselves in small ways and walking out the other side going, oh my God, I just did that. What else can I do? That's what I get to watch people do every day, whether I'm coaching with them, whether they're in my classes, whether they're in the league, whether they're doing scavenger hunts, whether they're just having bigger conversations of, oh, my God, I didn't think about it that way. Like, it's the most amazing life I could ever. I mean, I'm going to start crying. And then I also do um, travel and I'm trying to bring more and more singles travel into it because I think if you want to change yourself, you know, drop yourself in a different country, in a different culture. Um, 
because you learn so much about yourself through the eyes of, of, you know, that country. Yeah, absolutely. And so when it comes to your own personal development, what are you working on learning or implementing? Um, well, I mean, I have a coach, I have a health coach, (laughs) I have a therapist, you know, I mean, when you are, um, when you're in this world, like I am a, a, a junkie, like a personal development junkie, right? Like I want to be as great as possible for myself, for my relationship and for my clients. Mm-hmm. And there's a great, you know, there's a great power in the motivation of um, this is bigger than me, you know, uh, that I get rid of my own pride and ego knowing that what I'm doing for people is is bigger than in that moment um so yeah so i have uh i have a a, an emotional eating health coach because that's the one thing in my life that i really struggle with is my health and she is incredible um i am constantly working on uh kind of i am i am like a true creative i like to only do things when i want to do things (laughs) yeah and it turns out that that's not always a successful life, right? That's that's not always a successful business, a successful relationship. And um, that inconsistency can show up in my life in really unfortunate ways. So that's one of the things I'm really working on in my life right now is how to be true to myself, but also consistent enough that I can um, feel strong and empowered and really let the people know in my life and business that I'm here for them. Mm, and is there anything that's been helping you kind of find that authentic consistency uh baby steps because I'm, I'm very black and white you know I'm very like I do this and then I don't and then I failed right um and so for me I am you know that wh- what is it what about Bob like the baby steps I don't know if you've seen that um the movie from the 80s <laughs> yeah okay so Bill Murray and uh, is is like the client and he keeps being told baby steps, baby steps. And for me, that's what I personally need. That's what I needed for a relationship. I am 42 years old. I didn't find the relationship of my life until I was 40. You know, um, I needed to go through those baby steps of how do I can become better for myself? How do I empower myself? How do I say no to what doesn't feel good anymore? Um, and how do I then start communicating what I do need to get to this relationship? I'm just a baby steps person, but I think a lot of us are. Yeah. And so now I'm working on the baby steps of, you know, how do I add self-care to my day without going all in and then falling off? Um, you know, what small things do I do every day, whether it be making sure I have time to walk, um, making sure that I get, uh, you know, warm lemon water in the mornings, uh, making sure I eat regularly because, you know, my my day's full and it's amazing how all of a sudden I go, oh, my God, I haven't eaten for like seven hours. I'm starving, you know, and then so it's 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 maybe to some people the very most simplest care, self-care, but it's sometimes new to me. It's funny how many entrepreneurs I talk to that forget to eat throughout the day, though, and it's <laughs> when you're so engrossed in what you're doing and you love it and it's kind of ever changing and takes a lot of high level thinking, I think. I I don't ever forget to eat because I'm hypoglycemic and I would just like fall on the floor. But uh, I can. <laughs> so maybe see. that's a gift. Maybe that's your own stuff. <laughs> yeah, gift. my body's just constantly reminding me, so I'm pretty much always eating. But yeah, I can totally get that. So something that I ask everyone is, what's one thing that you're obsessed with these days that's making your life better? Oh my god! Oh my goodness! 
Oh my goodness. Um, and that can be like anything. Yeah, anything. Should it be your like personal development? Like what? No, I mean it could be a song. It could be a dance move. It, anything, especially if we can try it too. Oh my gosh. Um, let's see. So in, let let me think of a few things here. Um, I am obsessed with Spotify. First of all, I make uh, so- playlists for every week of my owner's manual. Amazing. Um, because I love finding like indie music and sharing it with other people. I am pretty sure that there are bands that were completely un- um, unheard of, and now at least a huge handful of women know <laughs> who they are <laughs> and and, uh, and share them. So that's actually one of my my favorite things about my business is that you know, and people are like, I am loving these playlists, so I create a playlist for them to do the homework too. Every oh, week. that's so much fun! Do you have any public so- playlists? That we could link to. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I can share them with you, um, but like and like I said, they are, you know, some are better than others. Some are constructed better than others. But I do them every month for the league, and then I do them um, for the different weeks of the owner's manual for my clients and and for my class. So Spotify and I are like Spotify Coffee and I are like the best of friends. <laughs> I love it. Um... So for anyone who feels drawn to you, just as we wrap up, how can people work with you or support your work? Absolutely. Uh, so I'm on League of Adventurous Singles.com. Uh, everything you need to know there. There's, like I said, the great freebie of um, – so it's it's templates for – it's called shit to say when you don't know what the fuck to say because I really like to swear. Um, and it's templates. So it's templates on how to let somebody know you're interested um, a template for how to let somebody know you're not interested. And then the top, tough conversation template is there. And there are audios as well as uh, steps for you. And that's absolutely free on my site. Um, I am also uh, filling up a retreat to Greece as we speak in October. And then one that will either be in Costa Rica or Puerto Rico um, next winter. Um, and then, yeah, my owner's manual class, I have a new one running in a few weeks. Amazing. So- Well, I'll put all of those links and your social media and everything in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out. And thank you so much for going, coming on the show today. It's been so much fun. And I think there's just so much, whether you're in a relationship or you're single, there's so much to dive into in this conversation. Sarah, I have loved, loved, loved being here and, you know, um, can't wait for us to be best friends forever. Thank you. (laughs) You can find the show notes for this episode at sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 36. Just a reminder that registration for my signature coaching program, The Daydream Revolution, closes on Sunday, April 17th at midnight GMT. There are only a couple of spots left and I have a really affordable payment plan available for anyone who's ready to take the leap. In this eight-week course, we'll take your dream from how the fuck to hell's yes, I've got this. I'll teach you how to break your bigger-than-life dream into bite-sized pieces move past even the biggest financial hurdles, overcome resistance, tackle your fears, and really make this thing happen. You can head to my website, sarahstars.com revolution to find all of the details about the course and to hear from some of the women who have made their dreams happen through the lessons that I'm teaching here. Next week, I'm interviewing Meg Kisak. Meg is a freelance graphic designer and the incredible woman behind That Hummingbird Life where she shares her philosophy that everything changes when you believe you matter. We sat down to talk about her journey from burnt out to prioritizing self-care, what it means to be a multi-potentialite, and how to embrace this trait, 
as well as the ins and outs of lifestyle design. Meg blends a really beautiful combination of vulnerable storytelling and practical, actionable insights in this conversation, and I can't wait to share it with you. Until then, do something to get your shit together and create a life you love.